Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, let's get to the recap of today's Vikings game. See what Dan Bailey can do. He misses again. All right, after jumping out to an early 6-0 lead, the Vikings let the Bucks score 23 straight points on their way to a 26-14 win. With the loss, the Vikings are now 6-7 and this season, and thanks to the Cardinals beating the Giants today as well, Minnesota has dropped to the 8th seed in the NFC playoff standings with three games left to go. Uh, as is the case with every game recap, I am joined by the Viking Ages, Dustin Baker. And Dustin, just um, what were some of your initial thoughts coming uh, after the Vikings lost to the Bucks today? You'll recall that I was not um, optimistic about this contest when we spoke last week. I thought we would get beat by, I think I said 35 to 10, or something akin to that. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was pleasantly surprised that they should have won the game um, based on how the game plan was drawn up, how everything, for the most part, was executed. This is typically a ball game that the Zimmer Vikings win in that they had the ball for 39 minutes and they ran for 160 something yards. And usually those two things for a Zimmer team are automatic in the win column. Uh, today we had the miscues with our kicker. And I'm, I bet we'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about that on this show and then throughout the week, depending on what shakes down with any personnel moves or lack thereof. Uh, but they Vikings played like a playoff team <clears throat> playing against another playoff team and proved that we can hang with the Brady Bucks and we'll probably hang with the Breeze Saints who laid an egg today. Um, so it makes it all the more um, frustrating that this one was derailed by our kicker who is usually pretty steady. Um, I would say this was the most frustrating loss of the season, the the most depressing or the one that made me the most sad was the Seahawks loss because that was another game that if we had a smidgen of defense in the fourth quarter or we converted our fourth and one that uh, we would have been in a lot, a lot different of a spot right now, I think morale wise. Uh, so my takeaway is that because of poor field goal and extra point kicking, uh, we let a game slip away. Um, before we get to likes and dislikes, my question for you is if you think the Vikings got that four and one and beat the Seahawks, you think they would go on the kind of run that they went, they've go, they've been on since, you know, their bye week. Yes. And it's easy to say that in retrospect, um, but we yeah. played so well in the first half of that game, right. all, all sides of the ball, um, that I felt like we belonged with them. And at that time, the Seahawks were the sexiest thing in the league. I think the Chiefs already had a loss under their belt and the Seahawks looked like, you know, Wilson was the MVP, blah, blah, blah. We were finally going to exercise the Emerald, uh, Emerald City Demons and win there for the first time in forever. Um, yeah, I, I would have, I guess if I was going to write a alternative history of it, I still think that we would have seen the same prosperity. 
Um, but you can say that also about the Cowboys game and then the Titans game, uh, all of these games that were so close uh, that uncharacteristically are close for the Vikings. There's this misnomer that we always choke away these tight games. And up until this year, we had the Vikings had some of the fewest close games in the business since Zimmer got here. When the Vikings prior to 2020, the Vikings either won decisively or lost decisively. Uh, I think we had the second fewest three yard games decided by three points uh, in the last five years up until this year, then everything switched. Now we have the most. Uh, And today, today was different because once it slipped away from us, we couldn't really quite claw back into it. Um, I just think the Seattle game would have given us a lot more uh, machismo to go forward. Yeah, it's a lot of what-ifs this year, that's for sure. All right, we do the likes and dislikes in the recap episode. So since the Vikings lost, we'll start with the dislikes. What do you got for me? I don't have a whole lot. Uh, I, I kid you not, and this might make I, I understand. I, I was struggling to find more than a few. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this will make eyes roll, but the Vikings played a damn good game um, in terms of how they like to play. I thought this offense looked good. I I did not think Dalvin Cook was going to be a factor at all. I thought we were going to see kind of like an old Bears performance from him where he's neutralized and has right. like 30 rushing yards. And you know, But I had faith that Kirk could keep it competitive, and Kirk was efficient today. Um, offensive line in spots was... Six sacks, I think. think yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when you say it like that, it's more than just in spots. It, um, the thing that irks me about the offensive line is that in, when it most matters, it feels like uh, Kirk is under duress. And we saw that on the last drive. And we saw it vividly in that Titans game in week three when he got when Cousins got criticized for not you know dragging the team back on his shoulders. Uh, that was a frustrating uh, criticism talking point because <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I mean, these are giant grown men coming at you. Um, and I'm, this was a game that old Cousins of 2018 or the Washington years would have fumbled several times. There were, they were uh, you know, clawing at the ball, and there was a couple of them where I was like, God, how did he keep that? He's really been coached up. Um, so offensive line, uh, that, that, I mean, they go back and forth. Sometimes it feels like, all right, they're coming together. And then uh, today was one of the ones where it was too many sacks and let up. And the Bucks have great personnel uh, on their defensive line. Uh, so it didn't surprise me that they, they got theirs for sacks. Um, but uh, the obvious dislike is Bailey. So I'll let you talk on him before I chime in. Or at least his performance today, I, I don't dislike the dude as a whole. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, I, I was, I'm going to talk about something else, but I think Bailey's pretty obvious. Um, just missing all four of his kicks, one extra point and three, three field goals. Uh, he missed three kicks last week, so he's missed seven in his last two games. Before that, I believe since week five, he missed a total of one kick. Um, and, and we know last year he, he kicked pretty well. And so for most of this year, he's kicked pretty well, except for the last two games for, Whatever reason now, I do believe the Vikings did get a new long snapper very recently. So I don't know how much that has to do with they don't with look struggles. The mechanics or the snap and hold mechanics don't look bad, but I'm not a you know right. expert. Then maybe right. that's it. I don't know. Yeah, the the holder is the same, and he was a big factor in turning the kicking game around last year. And it's succeeding so far this year. So I don't know. I don't know if it, you can put it all on Bailey, if you can put it on Marwan Malouf or maybe some of the techniques. Maybe he's trying to teach him. 
Um, I think he's he's gone after. Yeah, I year. think we can agree on that. No matter what, I don't think Zimmer is going to be Zimmer's going to like take his key card and like change the <laughs> password or whatever. Like he's going to try and get in and be like, "Hey, I can't get in." Um, but my dislike is actually something I hate talking about, and that's the refs. Oh, sure. Um, I hate blaming the refs for anything in any game, any sport. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy who's like, well, you should have done more to avoid the refs from becoming a factor. But to me, today it seemed like the Vikings had two opponents, and that was the Bucks and the refs. And now you can look at the box score and be like – Adam, you know, both both the Bucks and Vikings had five penalties. So it, it, it seems like the refs called the game pretty fairly. Um, sure, but we need to look at the types of penalties that were called on the Vikings and then the ones that were not called on the Bucks. I mean, the, the most questionable calls off the top of my head have to be Harrison Smith getting called for another ridiculous helmet-to-helmet in which he led with his shoulder again and the offensive player initiated the, the helmet-to-helmet contact, but, you know, Harrison Smith is apparently being made out to be a dirty player this year, so whatever. And then Jeff Gladney getting called for defensive pass interference after Mike Evans slipped himself. Um, and then Gronk drawing the first Hail Mary pass interference flag since 2009 at the end of the first half. Um, and then in addition to these penalties that were called, there were uh, flags that weren't called on the Bucks when uh, there was a obvious late hit on Chad Beebe. On the punt return in the yeah, first quarter. Right away. When yeah. He, yeah, when he was already down, nothing, no flag, nothing. Um, and then when Kirk Cousins was, you know, smacked in the head by Jason Pierre-Paul in the in the fourth quarter, no, nothing, no call. Um, actually, the Vikings got a holding call on that, that play and should have at least offset. Um, but I hate conspiracy theories with a passion. Yeah. Like, but the actions of the refs on Sunday just – make me seem extremely suspicious about, you know, what was going on. Because when you look at it, when, if you were the NFL, wouldn't you want Tom Brady or to make sure Tom Brady and, and the Bucks are, are in the playoffs and and not Kirk Cousins and the Vikings? Yeah, probably if uh if it if it was, you know, written as, as fiction or if they at least at it. least make sure Tom Brady gets in the playoffs. I I'm not so sure. Like they don't they probably don't care if the Vikings make the playoffs, but to make just to make sure that yeah. Tom Brady gets in the playoffs. Yeah, they'd probably like to see his career punctuated under the lights and in, in the playoffs, what for better or for worse. Um this the Bucks teams probably won't win the Super Bowl, but to watch his last hurrah, um, you know, in front of the millions, even more millions. They looked terrible to begin with. Yeah, 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 that was uh I've I've always been a fan of Brady. So if I had to pick like a player, a non-Viking player that I adore, it would be Brady because he's always been so cool, uh, you know, on the field and just a consistent winner. And yeah. so I've watched a lot of his stuff, as most of the world has, because he gets to play extraneous football every year. And yeah, he uh this this version of Brady was not spooky to me at all. It it it's not quite a shell of himself. But the fact that they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Scotty Miller, and Cameron Brate. That to me, they were a non-factor. What do, I mean, what do you have under 200 yards today? Yeah, yeah, like 194. Them that group as a whole. Of course, there were big plays that were made from those guys, but that uh, a stable of what six dudes I just rattle off should be like legend killers. I mean, they should knock off. They should spook the hell out of every defensive coordinator that's ever coached. And this secondary that's maturing on the fly, I, I thought they did a decent job against them. So. The firepower that Brady was always deprived of um, in New England, he finally got now. And maybe it'll still click here in December and January and 
possibly February. But what I was scared of was those dudes being too talented and just too many of them to bottle up. But that didn't even end up being the problem. It was the uh, was curse right there. Uh, the darn uh, the darn kicking that was the team the undoing. And it's more than just a sheer number of points that yeah. uh, Bailey left off the, the momentum and the stuff. momentum of each time. And then you're game planning for how do we not kick a field goal? Are we going to go for it here? Are we going to just go for two, which they did mm-hmm. on the uh, egregious penalty? It's hard to rank those in order of egregiousness. The, 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 the Hail Mary one was just absolutely bogus. It was, there, Hail and Mary. the thing, there was two refs. Um, <laughs> the one closest to the, the action was called it incomplete. And then the one behind yeah. what was going on is the one who threw the flag. Which, which yeah. makes it even more I have puzzling. no clue. There must be some unwritten rule where they say, hey, let's not call this unless a guy gets like face mask gets ripped off. And of course they called it. And I, th- I, I didn't even realize that they would kick a field goal. I thought they'd just line up and punch it in and go up three scores or yep. whatever. Uh, the Gladney one was really sad because I can't, I didn't study it enough to figure out if he was touched down, but that would have been a hundred yard touchdown return, which right. again would have swung the momentum. And there's no doubt whatsoever that uh, Evan slipped. So that one was garbage. And then you didn't even mention and maybe you're not a, a birther on this one, but the inconspicuous second when they were marching down the field. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that one, <laughs> that one uh, I pointed out in real time to my, my wife. And I said, I mean, they simply stopped the clock when he yeah. crouched down. It was like in comparison to the game clock and then uh, the real time. It was like they that's like literally what they did was stop the game clock when he got in his his crouch. And that I mean, that ended up probably not being the difference maker, but it was a flurry of things that were frustrating. And I'm, I'm like you, I don't think that uh, you know the fix is in or anything like that. But somehow, some way they got the benefit of the doubt on. God, what do we just rattle off between the? We, we talk about the helmet to helmet on Cousins or the the slap on Kel, on Cousins. We did. With, we did. Okay, so what was that like six? And yeah, each time Harrison Smith. Yeah, so when you start to write all those down and then think about Bailey on top of it, you're like, how do we even have a chance in that game? Yeah, and the penalties that were called on the Bucks were like offsides, false star. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they had to call them. It wasn't like they, you know, they were, you know, judgment calls. Um, but I, I would. I should get out and say this, that I do not believe the refs were the reason why the Vikings lost. Dan Bailey missed four field goals. Yeah. Um, they had plenty of opportunities, um, but they definitely definitely didn't help the Vikings um, nope. on Sunday. And yep. then I think it might be I'm – li- I've been listening to the, the Tim Donahue podcast. Okay. It's called like Whistleblower or whatever. It goes – dives deep into it. And I, there's just a lot in there that – makes me skeptical about every sport. Um, just the fact that like it's mentioned in there that the NBA has uh, specific refs work game six most of the time. So they can make sure that the game goes to game seven to keep <laughs> getting, getting that. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there where you're like, Yuck. Oh wow. Um, but yeah, it just makes it. And I feel like it's probably way, way harder to do something like that in football just because, so unpredictable and you can't really, it's unless it's called like that like pass interference it's it's hard to control stuff on the field um but it just it just made me more skeptical and maybe my eyes a little more wide open less naive of <laughs> a billion dollar sport you know not not doing what it can to 
maybe get the most eyes on its sport in a pandemic year where they're going to lose a lot of money. So they yeah. want to make sure that, you know, the ratings or whatever are, are high in, in TV so they can get the most ad revenue. Uh, I don't know what goes into all that. So this is me just rambling <laughs> off. But once again, I don't think it that the Vikings lost because of the refs. I want to make that clear. Another thing that uh, I disliked, but I don't know if it was a strategy thing or just defensive prowess by the Buccaneers, is we didn't really take shots downfield. Um, no, they didn't. No, and usually we're good. And those, as as you know, and listeners, those are profitable because Cousins can deliver a long ball, um, you know, tremendously. And usually Jefferson or Thielen are money and hauling them in. And I don't know. I doubt that was because of choice. I can't imagine that Kubiak just wanted to keep it under wraps for some reason. It must have been good coverage deep. But we usually have two or three calling cards during a game where, you know, it's a big a big play. And the fact that we didn't have those was was upsetting and just we say I can't believe all this stuff we just mentioned it's it's crazy to think that we stayed in that game with a puncher's chance um that basically it was basically over when Bailey missed that last field goal but if he had made that we would all we needed was one more stop and then we could have had a chance to go down to win the game after Um, after the first quarter it felt like they should have been up by like two touchdowns yeah (laughs) just the way they were playing and the bucks weren't yeah just and then we go into halftime, it's 17-6, and you're like, what's going on? And then they come out yeah. and score a touchdown, and you're like, well, I guess, you know, that was fun. Yeah, it, it got out of hand, and at least we didn't roll over and die too much. Um, but we, we need to talk about Bailey before we move on to any likes. And <laughs> I want to dispel something um, okay. that really irks me. So the folks, obviously, there's the venom that says cut him, don't let him on the plane, all that stuff. And that's that's just going to happen in sports, and I get that. Um, and then there was the people that reverted back to saying we should have never let Carlson go. And oh boy, and I can't. Well, Who's I saying can't, that? Oh, I saw a lot of it on, on oh, Vikings no. Twitter that it would have been better in the long run to keep Carlson. But I, I need to, I need to <sighs> state this that Daniel Carlson has played better than the the game that he missed those field goals in Week Two of 2018. He's been a better kicker for the Raiders, but because we don't see his games anymore. And we don't hear about him. We just think all of a sudden he's a stud and right. he's an average kicker. Um, since he came into the league, there have been 40 kickers that have attempted at least 20 kicks. And his 83% uh, accuracy is 20th. He's right in the middle. He's an <laughs> average kicker. So that's, not sure. even, that's worse. That's worse than average. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 32. If, if, if you would have, uh, you know, had a choice to know that he would have, you know, ended up getting the yips resolved, then yeah, then you can tell me, cool. But the, the fact that we can revisit things and say we should have kept Carlson, everybody I knew thought that he was garbage and needed to go, and that the only way we we're going to salvage that season is if we had a competent kicker. Now, on Bailey, I'm torn um, because he is the sixth most accurate kicker in NFL history. Um, I want to say two seasons ago, I was watching a Packer game at my house, and Mason Crosby missed four and then hit yeah, the team did. winner, or three. Yep. So I... I it's really interesting to see what they do with him um, because I don't know that he would go on to another team and, you know, finish off his career with five or six great seasons. But then again, I don't, when I'm watching that bears game next weekend, I'm not going to be confident. I will be hopeful that that man can resurrect his career, you know, because it feels like he's on the fringe of it right now with what happened these last two weeks. Right now, I guess I don't really have an opinion. I'm glad I don't have to make decision because 
kickers can get out of these funks, but can if we really perceive this as a playoff push, we probably don't have room for, well, we don't have room for error. And I don't know that he can be a part of it. Um, but who, who makes that decision, Adam? Is that Zimmer or is that Spielman? Who, who says he's going? I mean, because Buck has to stop somewhere. Uh, it's probably a, you know, combined, you know, a group decision between Spielman and Zimmer. I think Zimmer might have more of a say. Um, just cause it's, you know, it's his, his team pretty much. Spielman gives him the players. So he'd be like, first off, he'd probably go to Spielman and be like, Hey, is there anyone that can come in that you think maybe could do better? And that answer probably is no. At this no, point in, in the season, there's no, there's no kickers even to Dan Bailey's caliber that are just sitting out there right now just waiting you know first off they'd have to go through covid testing so they probably they probably wouldn't even play next week oh yeah um so you're gonna get you're gonna cut dan bailey and then have a kicker for two games and maybe go to the playoffs um i think zimmer kind of gave it away because after the game he said you know don't don't put all this this isn't all dan's fault you know i could i could blame every player for something that they did in the game. Um, so I think he kind of gave it away. We're like, you know, I'm not happy at all with what he did, but we're probably going to give him another chance. One, because we don't really have a choice. And, and two, because he's played well in the past. Yeah. So. Zimmer must like him on a personal level, like man to man, because Zimmer is never that kind, let alone. Well, he hasn't had to worry about it. That's probably why he <laughs> likes him. Yeah. Until um, now. I, I, I wish that, you know, we could just say, no, you know, he's a savvy vet. He'll figure it out. But when you like, so I want to go have that excitement of a wild card playoff game. I'm, I hope I'm in the majority. Maybe I'm not. I want to have the hype of those seven days where, Hey, we're going to Lambeau or Hey, we're going yeah. to Superdome. Um, and we're not going to be able to do that if we have a redux of what Bailey did today, uh, because it's absolutely no shoe in whatsoever on planet earth that we're going to beat the bears. Um, they no, played they like, just, gang- they just, killed the Texans. Today. Yeah, they play like gangbusters today, uh, gangbusters today and in spots Trubisky can actually play pretty darn well. And today was one of those games. So, we uh the writers and then the fans, we've got into this mindset over the past 7 to 14 days that if we lose to the Bucks, all we have to do is win out and that is a colossal undertaking because mm-hmm. uh the Bears aren't garbage and even if they are garbage, their defense won't be garbage, it'll be their offense. Uh, so the Vikings just needed overtime to beat the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm sure we'll have the line by a couple points, but I, I don't think that this team would overlook the Bears. But as fans, we need to pump the brakes on. Uh, all we need to do is win out because that is like a mini playoffs in itself before we even get there. Um, on kickers that might be available, uh, Chase McLaughlin, uh, the dude that we kept on our practice squad you know i felt like we had a fetish doing that or something the jaguars just cut him yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's available so he's the one that makes the most sense because we kept him retained until we couldn't and he was garbage against us what uh seven days ago so in u.s know. bank stadium so that's good yeah and then uh steven haushka is unemployed vinatieri i don't know if he can hit from 50 they have they have a kicker on the practice squad do they I know that um, i didn't I, I couldn't remember that I don't remember his well, name. If that's the case, I bet you that guy is activated against the Bears, and Bailey gets uh, one more walk on his leash. And if he misses his first chance, then he's probably going to give way to this unnamed dude. Um, yeah, it's uh, Tristan Vizcayano. Oh, really? Sweet. Uh, Vizcayano. Well, I feel foolish because I don't know anything about that guy. Um, he's on their practice squad. He, yeah, um, they would I make think... them. 
it would make the most sense that since he's already in the building, that he would be activated. And then, the yeah, at the very least, I think they might activate him. I don't know if yeah. they, they might even keep him and Bailey both active. Maybe yeah, for, for the game, mm-hmm. the game. And then if Bailey's still, you know, got the yips or whatever, they'll be like, "Hey, dude, why don't yep. you go give it a shot?" But yeah, that's also weird that's too probably, to actually have two kickers activated. It's <laughs> I'm sure Zimmer well, would be Zimmer. thrilled about that. Well, he'll do it though, um, because. One, one, usually one field goal or one extra point alone won't be the undoing of a game. Uh, so we can probably see if Bailey is back on track. Four will. Huh? Four will. <laughs> well, uh, I think Courtney Cronin tweeted that Bailey is the first kicker since 1961 to miss yeah. three field goals and an extra point yeah. with no makes whatsoever. That's good. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's what I got for dislikes. Um, I have a lot more likes, uh, than I do, uh, dislikes. Um, yeah, I think as far as dislikes, I only have just Adam Thielen only having four targets. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Now that you say that, that makes sense because uh, I don't know if he was bottled up or, or what, uh, CJ Ham and Chad BB both had three targets. (laughs) Um, you know, Mike Boone got some targets in there. Yeah. And those dudes played well. The tight ends played well. We'll probably talk about that soon. Um, but and Justin Jefferson, I think he had like maybe eight targets. Yeah. Um, but it, obviously he didn't catch all of them. But he had that nice two point conversion. Um, but yeah, Thielen only getting four targets in a game where you're behind by two scores. That's uh, that's gotta be a no no. Um, so yeah, we'll move on to likes and yep. and get to some some positives from this game because oddly enough, there were a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> and we you can, uh, yeah you can kick it off. We don't have a whole lot of losses uh, since we started this after the Green Bay game. Uh, right. So this is kind of foreign territory. But uh, Kirk Cousins, the one that has been given the green light, presumably by QBAC recently, to scamper to run to with run. the ball. Yeah. He, yes, that is the version of Cousins that I love the most. He did it in Washington, um, at least a lot more than he did in 2018. Um, so the version of him that will tuck it and run. And he's, you know, he's not a crazy speedster, but he's faster than you would think. And elusive. that dude that say he's elusive. <laughs> yeah. So he goes and picks up those first downs. That's the best version of cousins. Now with that, there'll probably be a couple big hits or fumbles that we'll have to weather the storm on. Uh, but that is the version of Kirk that I think everybody wants to see. And I'm glad they're letting him do it. The other, the other big one, uh, that I have is the defense today. The defense outside of big plays, which typically yep. happen in a football game, like the, the Brady bomb to Scotty Miller. Um, those yeah. plays happen, but otherwise the defense showed up to play and outside of the kicking miscues. Um, this was a game that the defense needs a pat on the back. Yeah. They shut down. We mentioned it before. They pretty much shut down all the, the bucks weapons, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, you know, Ronald Jones, he had some, some good runs, but he didn't have a, an amazing day. Um, so that I, I'm happy with the defense's performance as well. Um, not happy with the calls that were made on the defense. There was, there was one on Jeff Gladney where he deserved it. I think it was the, the hands to the face where it was like, Oh yeah, you can't do that. Um, to Mike Evans, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the defense. Um, I also enjoyed. Kirk Cousins running around like like a madman, um, <laughs> and I think in the last two weeks I've I've kind of noticed I feel like his pocket presence is is improving, and I don't feel like you see that a lot with with veteran quarterbacks, but it feels like he's 
keeping his eyes downfield by kind of just moving around in the pocket. And, and I feel like in the past, we've more just seen him kind of just remain in one area. And, th- and these days he's just, he's shuffling more around more, more like you see from someone like Tom Brady. And I feel like that's, that's a good sign for his future, whether he keeps that up or not, you know, remains to be seen. He did get sacked six times today, but I also wouldn't put that on all on his shoulders because Dakota Dozier is still part of the Vikings offensive line. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. It feels like they're trusting him a little bit more or something of that variety or ilk because, yeah, his pocket presence does look does look better. And like I'll reiterate that there were at least two replays where I saw where they were swatting at the ball. And normally, most quarterbacks would fumble those, and uh, he did not drop those. Oh, I think he knows. Yeah. He, I think he's pretty aware that he has – I think it's safe to say he has a, a fumbling problem. Yeah. Uh, he, he fumbled a bunch today, and luckily he – yeah, he, he got them, but but yeah, I think that's that's not surprising that people are swatting at the ball because you know he's not he's not used to running, and which is why it worked so effectively today. Yeah, um, I did like that that third and one call where he oh, just yeah. did the, Q, the QB draw and gained like what fifteen yards. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I wish they would fold that in more. And yeah, Kirk is not like uh, Brady or Matt Ryan where he's flat out just immobile and slow. Like he. Right. He, he's, I mean, he's not a speedster, but he is pretty, he's pretty quick. Um, and when you say deceptively or elusive, yeah, I wish that uh, he would do that a little bit more often. I think he's going to because we've shown it can move the sticks. And I don't, was it all three of those, three or four of those runs were all first downs? And there was a couple, so, yeah. yeah, there was a couple times last year where A, he like slid short of the sticks on third down. And then B, there were some times where he'll just he dives hold. now. Yeah. <laughs> Head first. It's yeah. Like, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there's sometimes where last year, especially where you're like, for the love of God, tuck it and run. And he yeah. holds it and holds it. And then sometimes in his defense, then he'll find last year it was like digs for a, for a gain. Yep. But uh, a lot of times you'll see younger quarterbacks just say, screw this, I'm running. And then they, you know, erupt for 15, 20 yards. And we're starting to see a little bit more out of him from that. Um, that's a nice segue to rushing the ball. Uh, I didn't see any type of game preview that thought the Vikings would be able to run the ball. Um, right. And Dalvin, you know, pretty much had his way um, until we didn't really need the running game too much once we got down by that many scores uh, midway through the third quarter. Um, but, yeah, we were we were able to run the ball on them like we would any other team. For 162 yards. Mm-hmm. They did not feel like the best rushing defense in the business at all. No, not at all. There were huge holes. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were a, couple t- there were a bunch of times where – Dalvin could have had huge gains, but he kept getting tripped up yeah. for, for whatever monster, reason, like yeah. like his shoestrings or whatever got got caught on something. Um, he lost his shoe at one point. I think I remember that, yep. um, which is why he slid down. I was like, why why is he sliding down? And I was like, oh, he doesn't have a shoe on. <laughs> yeah. I think um, everybody did that. Everybody thought, yeah. oh, God, he's hurt. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing, man? Yep. Um, but the the 162 rushing yards that the Vikings gained today is the most a Bucks defense has given up since Week 15 of 2018. So they Holy haven't done cow. that in almost two years. Yeah. So it was it's pretty impressive with with what they were able to do today. I think they've just stayed committed to running the ball. Like they know that people are going to come in and they're going to try and stop Dalvin Cook, and they're like, okay. Go ahead and try because we're still going to run the ball. Like you can stop us 10 times. We're still going to run it 20 more times. So go ahead and try and stop it. Even when they were down by like two scores, they were still running the ball, which, you know, 
not that big of a fan of when, you know, you need two scores and you still got maybe a quarter left to go. Um, especially when you're burning timeouts because you, you don't know what, what guys need to be in what position. Um, but yeah, I was, I was impressed. Delvin got that, uh, that nice performance in front of his hometown. Not, it's not his hometown, it's home state. Yeah. Fans. I think his mom, I think his mom was there. Yeah. Yeah. And his brother too, I think. Um, so that's, that was nice for him to do that. Uh, would have been nice if they got a win. But I think if I told you that the Vikings were going to rush for 162 yards against the number one rush defense in the NFL, you'd probably be like, oh, they won. Yep. No doubt. You'd be like, "Mm, nope, they didn't. Yeah, but um, and, and oh, by the way, they held the ball for two thirds of the game. Right? Yeah, they 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 held it for Gosh. almost double thirty than yeah. than the Bucks. Yep, and, and that that's the most infuriating because uh, teams win football games when they hold the ball that long. I mean, not just you know idly, but because the other defense gets wear down, and usually you're imposing your will, which the Vikings were on the run game. But uh, I keep going back to it; it's just that that goofy stuff, miss kicks. Um, and then we didn't even the last turnover or the last play of the game was the turnover. So we almost escaped this thing um, with a 12 point loss, no turnovers and a two thirds um, positive time of possession uh, ratio. So it's just remarkable uh, and unfortunate how miscues like miss kicks can just sink a game. Yeah. And usually it, it's the Vikings then to have to deal with it, especially under under Mike Zimmer. For whatever reason, he just has terrible luck with kickers. I'm sure someone will try and put that on Mike Zimmer, but he has absolutely nothing to do with the kickers unless you want to be like, he makes them scared and pee their pants when they're in the field or whatever, but um, Mike Zimmer has nothing to do with, with the kickers. Yeah. Um, one of my likes is, I think I mentioned it before, the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Irv Smith Jr. had a great return performance. Tyler Conklin looked great out there, you know, replacing uh, Kyle Rudolph out there who missed his first game in like 90-some-odd games. <laughs> uh, they combined for nine catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Irv Smith, I think, had the, the touchdown. So, uh, and Conklin had a bunch of, uh, I feel like, first down catches or sure catches did. on third down that converted for, for first down. So, I was, I can't wait impressed with, uh, with, with Conklin at least be like, you know, if the Vikings want to part ways with with Kyle Rudolph this this off season, I I don't think I'd be too worried about it if they decide to do that. Yeah, I will miss him emotionally because he's the longest tenured Viking now with Everson Griffin in Detroit, and you know he's been one of the good guys for almost a decade. So um, he will not be on this team unless he takes a pay cut. Uh, he yeah. is, he is targeted amongst tight ends, the 28th most in the NFL, but he is wow. the fifth highest paid tight end. Yeah. Um, to put it, frankly, we don't need him. Um, I'm very sorry to say that because I love Kyle Rudolph, but with the way, so this is no fault of his own. If we were targeting him, targeting him like we did in 2016, when Bradford just threw to him seemingly every pass, um, then, then he would be worth it because he will, you know, make the catches and do the intangible things. But the way that we have drafted Irv Smith and then what we saw today from a guy like Conklin, who looked like he'd be a fabulous TE2, um, yep. we don't need to pay a tight end that much. And because we keep extending the Super Bowl window going back to 2015, we're always pinching pennies come March. And I think the very first sack of pennies that'll be pinched will be Rudolph's now. Perhaps he wants to go to, like, I don't know, uh, who else would need a tight end that uh, Super Bowl contender? 
I don't know. Patriots. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll want to go there if they if they get something more Packers. Uh, yeah, gross. I don't think. Well, he might do that. Really stick it to us. Um, but he, I don't He's know. From, uh, where is he from? Cincinnati. He might go there. Yeah, I don't know what his priorities are. I don't know if he wants to go chase one more payday, and because he probably, unless he's going to the Chiefs um, or the Seahawks, he probably has the best shot at winning a Super Bowl uh, here as he would anywhere else outside of like you know the three big teams. Whether it's, I mean, he could just go to the Seahawks like every other former Viking. <laughs> yeah, that that would make sense. But he, there is not going to be a place for him on this team because Irv Smith will have two years left on his rookie deal. Um, once next season starts and he's going to, because of his, uh, you know, physical stature and his game, his talent, he's going to demand the targets that a TE one would get. And we need to see him get those so we can figure out if he's going to get a big contract when it's time to pay him. And right now, Rudolph is just this nice complimentary piece. That's going to get some sweet clutch catches and probably do some, you know, one handed stuff. And those are invaluable. I mean, those are great. Uh, but it it doesn't make sense to pay him, you know, top dollar at a tight end when you barely use him. And that this is only coming up because he didn't play today. It's not because he's hurt and therefore he's injury prone and sucks and needs to go. Right. He's a damn good football player. I just don't see when, when we have to evaluate Anthony Harris, um, figure out if he's worth it. Um, Rudolph, no. those are the, the <laughs> those are the big dollars that uh, I think will be the first to to go. And then you kind of open up your your piggy bank to I'm hoping we get a free agent guard. I don't want to wait on a rookie. I'm hoping that we go find a guard and put him in Dozier's spot because I think this offensive line is one guard away from being pretty darn good. There's a guy who plays for the Jets. I think his name's uh Pat Elfline. He'll be a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, kidding, kidding. Um but yeah, yeah, I, I I could see Rudolph staying if he takes like he does like a reef restructure or yeah. a, Griff- a Griffin restructure kind of deal. Yeah. Um but his his time is definitely ticking for the Vikings, especially since he's what is he he involved in like every trade rumor that has to do with the Vikings. Like yeah. it's always like this guy and Rudolph or, or this guy and Rudolph. And yeah. it's like um I think the Vikings are trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Um and try and get something for him. Um but yeah, I, I agree his his time is, is winding down in Minnesota and he's had a I would say a, a great career. He'll probably be a, a Ring of Honor guy. Yep. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. No, nope. um, but he'll he'll be a he'll be a ring of honor guy for sure. With just just what, how long he's played for the Vikings and what he's done for the community and things like that. Yeah, we just when it comes down to it, we just don't need two. And when you have the one who's older getting paid, not one that who's much more. elite. Yeah, not one who's almost making ten million. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair market value for how the Vikings use him on this team is going to reduce his salary by a lot. Um, and I mean, it, it goes back to. What we saw from Conklin today, that was wonderful. And he's making 685000 and he mm-hmm. he's he'll be on this team next year. And between a more matured or the next step in his development, Smith, presumably next year, and then just a complimentary dude like Conklin, and we know Cousins can distribute the ball to anybody and everybody. Uh, it's just, it's sad because, you know, we love Rudy that he probably won't be in the mix unless he takes a pay cut. They've also got um what that Brandon Dillon guy who yeah. I think he was he was on the practice squad most of the time this year. Mm-hmm. He's he's he made some I think I remember him making some pretty like spectacular plays in, in training camp. Yeah. This year or, or the year before. He was making like one handed catches or something <laughs> like that. Um but yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh it's coming to the end for, for Kyle Rudolph. I think uh as far as likes go 
I think we discussed it. I, I had the Vikings not being intimidated by by the Bucks' run defense, which was clear by them running the ball thirty three times. Oh, they they brought out the all white oh, away yeah. uniforms again. They they still look very nice. Unfortunately, they lost for the second out of three times they've worn them. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't necessarily call them good luck, but uh, at least they look good and like the clean look. Yeah, like the clean, all white. Yeah, not well, the. I'm I'm okay with the purple pants every now and then, but yeah, you go you all purple or all white. I'm a, I'm more of a fan of that. The uh, the last like that I have um, is is more broadly themed. Like I sometimes go on our show, uh, we hung tough with a Tom Brady led playoff team without mm-hmm. the services of Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter, Michael Pierce, Anthony Barr, and Alexander Madison. And kind of like how we don't like to complain about refs, uh, it, you know, usually throw it back in somebody's face. Well, we didn't have blah, blah, blah. But we did not have five of those dudes. And believe it or not, those guys are difference makers. Uh, <laughs> so the fact that we probably could have won a football game with a uh, normal version of Dan Bailey, or come damn close to it, no, Hunter Pierce, Barr, Kendricks, Madison. That was a, a darn good effort, or at least a game plan that got us in in the realm of winning. Yeah, Kendricks not being in there. I, I mean, we we talked about the Vikings playing pretty well uh, today. You know, without without all those guys, but but Kendricks, he makes a difference. He he does. He's oh, gosh, he's an all pro yeah. linebacker for a reason. He makes a huge difference in there. He, you know, I was watching the. Uh, the, the the Bucks drive down, you know, the red zone. I'm like, this is typically where maybe like Kendricks would, would come up with an interception or something <laughs> or a fumble and they'd stop them and, and go to, go back down the other way and score. So those are the type of momentum plays that you miss with someone not being in there. And then his replacement, Todd Davis, is the one who was called for pass interference yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the Hail Mary. Yeah. So, but it's what it is. Um Usually you like to like give a little uh, look f- look forward to next week. Oh yeah, yeah. This one you know is you know makes you have those defeatist feelings that uh, crop up because the way this team has been inconsistent for injuries, better or worse, uh, like it's probably not likely that we're going to win out. Um, so I guess I'm starting to go back to my my tapered expectations from midseason that well, at least it was fun. Uh, at least we battled back. I mean, we certainly could, um, but yeah, I, th- I think with the Bears, I'm not going to predict the Vikings to lose. Um, but uh, you know, you try to say it's at home, but that doesn't matter with no fans. I think no. they'll find a way to win that, and then they'll get us all excited for the Christmas game. And I think, uh, <laughs> I think we can hang with the Saints no matter what. Um, but it's like I have all these grand feelings that I've seen glimpses of this team that can hang tough with pretty much anybody besides maybe the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, I think the Vikings will take care of business against the probably let's say twenty twenty seven twenty over the Bears. Yeah, I think it'll be close um, for sure. It's a division. It's a divisional game. Yeah, and they didn't play Trubisky earlier this year. They played uh, Nick Foles. Um, so, and the Bears have their their defense is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they made uh, Watson so. look like a jump today. Did the David Montgomery play? Yeah, yeah the first time. David Montgomery. Did he, did he oh, play the first time? No, we, I don't we, think he did. No. Well, we went against Nall and Patterson, and yeah, yeah. yeah so, so David Montgomery didn't play. Trubisky didn't play the first time they, these two teams met. So <laughs> it'll be, you know, 
you can laugh at Trubisky, but he can make plays when when he needs to. He can yeah. especially you know throw throw a team off like the Vikings, who you know with his athleticism or whatever. Yep. Um, so hopefully, hopefully the Vikings can get Kendricks back in there. Yeah, we'll see. I, I sure hope so. How that goes. I uh, we'll be scoreboard scoreboard watching for the Cardinals the rest of the way because if you are of the mindset, who do they have next week? Uh, the Eagles, <laughs> the upstart Eagles. Oh, yep. So that you know one, what? That one get interesting. They just beat the Saints. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we effectively either need to win out um, over the Bears, Saints, and Lions, and then ask the Cardinals to politely lose to either the Eagles, Niners, or Rams, which is all pretty feasible. Um, or they, or if we want to lose to the Saints and then beat our division foes, then we need Cardinals to lose two more and then keep the Niners at bay and Bears at bay. Um, but that's another thing that's a little concerning is all of a sudden that the, the Bears. They have something to play for. Not that they ever did not, but we we wrote them off. I did. I didn't. They ain't doing anything. Uh, But now, if they win this football game against the Vikings, boom, they're right in the mix, hoping all the stuff that we hope happens to the Cardinals, they need it to happen to the Cardinals, and then they could get in. No, I'm not worried about the Bears. Yeah. (laughs) Not this this year. (laughs) Not with that. Not with just the way everything's going for them this year. You beat the Texans. I think every team in the NFC North has beat the Texans this year. Yeah. Um. So I'm not I'm not worried about the Bears not this year. Um, maybe I'll be worried about them next week, but yeah. But as far as the rest of the season goes, no, I, I don't. I don't even know who who they're playing for the rest of the year. It, well, I don't um, think we ever really cared because if we beat them on Sunday, <laughs> then we have the tiebreaker, and then who who gives an out? Right. Um. Yeah. So, do you think the Cardinals have a better chance of winning out than the Vikings? Because I think. The Vikings might have a better chance. No, the Vikings have a better chance of winning out. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Eagles look like a different squad with Jalen right, Hurts. Right, And God bless. And the Eagles are trying to win the division. Yeah. So they, they got something to play. Yeah, for. and God bless whatever they decided to do with Wentz because that's a, that's a head scratcher. And then the Niners, um, they're very well coached. And any any given Sunday, they can show up and beat anybody because of the way Shanahan schemes. And then that they last, win today? No, they lost to the Washington football team. Oh, they did lose. Yep. Okay. Um, and then uh, once they get to the Rams, I presume the Rams will be neck and neck with the Seahawks for the division. So it's probably more likely that the Vikings would win out than the Cardinals. But the thing that makes me nervous is that with, with these Vikings, you don't know which team it's, if it's going to be the one that's turning over the ball, who's missing kicks, or is it going to be the one where Kirk's erupting for three touchdowns and we can't do anything wrong? Um, yeah. It's just... Usually with a Zimmer team, um, every year except this one, you go into it knowing what to expect. Every now and then there'll be weird stuff. But usually you go in, you know, defense is going to do its job. And uh, usually you escape with a 24-17 win or something like that. But this year it's like uh, just throwing stuff to the wall and hoping that it sticks in terms of consistency. <sighs> yeah, today was tough because it would have been great to see them get that win and get that upset. And then have a chance at the sixth seed yeah. um, in the playoffs. But now, you know, they're going to be fighting for that that final spot. And probably, if they do get in, they'll probably be playing, what, the Packers? That, uh, that looks like right now it's looks probably like going to be them. Uh, the Packers slid into the one spot. Um, and then the Saints play the Chiefs next week. So Wait, the Packers are the number one seed right yep. now? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yep. The Saints lost to the Eagles, and then it doesn't get any easier for the Saints. They play the Chiefs, which means they're probably going to lose, and then they're going to be pissed, and then they get to play us. 
Oh, man. If the Vikings get in and play the Saints in the first round, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, all right, that's gonna be that's gonna be it for us. Make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. Follow Dustin Baker on Twitter at Dust Baker. Subscribe to his podcast, The Believe Podcast. Yeah, I got Warren Sapp on tomorrow night. Brian McKinney. Oh, oh man. Yeah, he's gonna. Sapp. He was supposed to be on last week, and there was a scheduling conflict. Let's call it that. And he said he'd, <laughs> he'd come on and do a recap on Monday, which is right. smooth because now he can just rub in the win. Yeah, and uh, what the Vikings passed up on drafting him, so that's good. When he was drafted, I think they were a pick before he got selected, so that's always fun to talk about. Uh, subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And as always, Dustin, I need you to give me, even in a loss, a skull. Skull! Oh.